if you have your Bibles with you this morning, I want you to turn with me to the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel, book of Daniel chapter 5. The book of Daniel chapter 5. Daniel chapter 5. Daniel chapter 5. Stand with me all over the building for the reading of the Word this morning. I will try to be brief in the reading. Belshazzar the king made a great feast to a thousand of his lords. And drank wine before the thousand. Belshazzar, whilst he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the golden and silver vessels which his father, Nebuchadnezzar, had taken out of the temple which was in Jerusalem, that the king and his princes, his wives and his concubines might drink therein. Then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God, which was at Jerusalem. And the king and his princes, his wives and his concubines, drank in them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and of silver, of brass, of iron, of wood, and of stone. In the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Then, everybody say then, Amen. the king's countenance was changed. Father, for the next few moments here this morning, I ask you, Lord, to just take over this servant. I ask you, Lord, I pray to let me be but a mouthpiece for the Holy Ghost this morning. Lord, give us the spiritual ears to hear your voice in the Word this morning. Give us the spiritual eyes, O God, to see the path that you would lay out before us today and give us the godly wisdom to each walk in that path. And I thank you and praise you for it. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Everybody said in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Here, Belshazzar was the king. He made a great feast to a thousand of his lords. And they drank wine all together. And while he was tasting the wine, he commanded that they go and bring the vessels of gold, silver, that his father, Nebuchadnezzar, had taken out of the temple of God when the Lord delivered Judah into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar. 
Belshazzar had planned a big party, a great big party and a big banquet. And everybody that was anybody was invited to the party. All of his lords and his wives and concubines, all of them came. The wine flowed freely. And the next thing you know, they went the next step. They soon forgot what they were doing. Belshazzar was not a man of God. And he did not learn from lessons that he had seen in his past. The Bible says that they brought the golden vessels that were from the temple of the house of God, which was at Jerusalem. And the king and his princes, his wives and his concubines drank in them. These vessels were not to be treated like that. Understand this this morning. Turn that air conditioner down, brother. Understand this this morning. The vessels of God are meant to be used for God's purpose. Everything that was brought into the temple was consecrated for the temple. And they were not to be used in any other manner. Yet he sent specifically for these, but that's not even the point where he crossed the line. Let me tell you something, church, and we're going to look at it here in just a little bit. God will allow you some reins. God will allow you a little leeway. God is long-suffering. is not willing that anybody should perish, but that all should come unto repentance. But there comes a place that you will reach the point of no return. And let me just put this into perspective with this country. We've already reached that point. America has absolutely crossed over that threshold a long time ago. We have reached the point of no return. We're past that. We're a long way past that. America will never come back up. I don't care who says it. I don't care how many theorists, how many people say that, oh, America's going to come back. No, America's not going to make a big comeback. America is on a downhill slide, and they're going to go all the way down. Because the Bible is true. And we are lining up with that Bible. Everything that the Lord said will happen is happening and will happen. But America has passed that. Let me tell you, I heard just the other day. Uh, you know, you hear, of course, people want America to hear uh, uh, good things. They want to, Americans to be encouraged because they don't want Americans to give up. But I heard one of the smartest men in America the other day that's on this. He's an economist and all, and, and, and he's a, I don't even know the guy's name, but he's a, one of the authorities on the position of the country and the condition of the country. And he said that, um, uh, you know, he said, well, you know, uh, some say that uh, America has reached the point of no return. And he said, absolutely. He said, we're well past that. He said, we're well past the point of no return. There's no, there is no return. So there is no coming back up for America. It's over with. Let me tell you something. China 
And this has nothing to do with this message today. But let me tell you something. China has bought up the world. I'm going to tell you right now. They're over in Africa right now buying every resource that Africa has to offer to furnish the booming economy in their country. And they've already bought up the coastline in America. They've bought the coastline, buddy. Anywhere they want to come in on this coastline, they can come in because they own it. China is buying up this world, buddy, with lots of money. America has sold much, much, much of, of, its, of its land and its commerce and everything to China. China owns a lot of America. We are majorly in debt to China. We are really in serious debt, unrecoverable debt to China. Very, very poor move, poor choices on our behalf. Nevertheless, in this message today, what we're talking about is a place that you can get to where there is no return. Let me tell you, I myself have experienced that with the Lord in my life. I was taught about Jesus coming up as a child. I went to church every time the doors were open. I was, uh, man, I was, uh, it was just something. You, there was no question where you was going to be on Wednesday night. There was no question where you was going to be on Sunday morning, Sunday night. Man, that was already decided. There was no question. There was no question mark. There wasn't nothing that could swoop in. If you weren't dead, you were going to be in the house of God. And you'd probably be in the house of God if you was dead. You'd swear you in there in a casket. You was going to church, buddy. Well, no question where you was going to be. And, uh, and so, <clears throat> but you know, I was trained up in the way I should go because that's what the Bible says. And, and I was going through my life ignoring that, drinking and smoking and everything I get my hands on, just living my life like I wanted to and worrying about, worrying about God, nothing like that. God kept calling my name. God kept calling me. And then things would happen, man, it would cause tears to come to my eyes. I mean, man, I, you know, I could feel the calling of the Lord. I was running from Him, man. You know, I was running from Him. I didn't want to, because, man, you know, I mean, I knew, I, I, I knew that it's pointless. He said that I would that you were cold or hot. So I knew it was pointless to try to just serve him half-heartedly. And so I just wasn't going to serve him. <laughs> I was too busy doing what I wanted to do. I mean, I was building my life and doing what I wanted to do. And there came a point where I could feel the Lord saying, All right. And when I came to a point in my life, I knew if I didn't turn, I knew it, that he was going to be through with me. I just knew it in my spirit. I just knew that God was getting to that place where he's going to say, all right, I've rescued you time and time again. I have kept you from killing yourself. I have saved you, man, from this and that. I have, man, I have protected you all this time. I'm telling you now, you better stop. You better stop. And I could feel that pressing down on me, man. And I believe with all my heart, the day that I gave alcohol up and all that, I believe right there, I believe that was the point. Where God said, okay, buddy, you better listen. And I could feel that in my spirit. And that's, that's part of why I sat down that day. 
I believe with all of my heart, had I not turned, God would have turned me over to a reprobate mind. I believe that. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that God would have turned me over right there and said, okay, it's it. You want it? It's all yours. Enjoy. Enjoy. Have a big time because this is all you're going to get. But I turned. I'm going to tell you, there comes a point in a person's life where God's going to say, it is enough. That's it. And it's over. It's over. We only have so much opportunity, and we're going to take a close look at that. Let me tell you how blessed you are today that you are not dead at 27. That you are not dead at 30. Praise God I did not die at 27 because I would be in hell today. There is no question where I would be. Because I was not living for God at 27 years old. I might have been living for a God, but it wasn't the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I can tell you that. But here is Belshazzar having a big party. And he wants you to go, hey, go get them golden them golden vessels and silver and vessels of silver. Get them over, man, that, that daddy took out of the temple of Israel. Bring them over here so we can all drink out of them. But let me tell you, that wasn't bad enough, as if that was not bad enough. What he did next is where he absolutely crossed the final line. Look at what he did next. Then they brought, verse 3, Then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God, which was at Jerusalem, and the king and his princes, wives and concubines, drank in them, as if that was not bad enough. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and of silver, of brass, of iron, of wood, and of stone. <laughs> buddy, that's it. That was it. Huh. Let me tell you something about Jesus. Let me tell you something about the Lord. Uh, Brother uh, Diefenbaugh, turn over to the very beginning. Now, keep your place here because we're going to be coming back to that quite a bit. Turn over to, to uh, uh, the very first book of the Bible, the very first page. Genesis 1 and 1. Keep your place here because we're coming back to that. Genesis 1 and 1, and give me the first four words of the Bible. Just the first four words is all I want. The very first four words. In the beginning, God. That's it. In the beginning, God. Let me tell you, there is none other. There's none beside Him. Beside Him, there is no other. He is God and God alone. Praise God. I mean, He's the first and the last. There is none other. And let me, let me tell you what the Bible says over here in the second commandment. First, the first commandment says this, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. 
first commandment. The second commandment says this, now listen carefully to this, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth, thou shalt not bow thyself down to thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon their children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me, and keep my commandments. Praise God. Let me tell you something, church. God does not play when it comes to bowing yourself down to anything other than Him. He is a jealous God. And let me tell you something, church. When you take on the name of Jesus Christ, you become His bride. And when you become the bride, you become the church. Remember, you become a bride to become the church. You don't become a church member to become the bride. You don't become a church member till you become the bride. Praise God. And the Lord has really shown me that in, in so many different ways here uh, not too long ago where he's just bringing all that together in a, in a bigger and, and more uh, profound way. But uh, I've always known a lot of those things in different ways, but it's amazing how that God is just bringing that in depth even closer and, and, and more into view. But uh, understand, church, here is, here is Belshazzar. He's decided... That uh, man, he's uh, he, he's going to go get the the vessels that his daddy had taken, and he brought them and drank in them, and they begin to worship other gods. Listen to what the Bible says there in verse five. In the same hour, in the same hour that they began to praise the gods of gold, silver, brass, iron, and wood and stone, in that same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand. This was the same fingers, praise God, that wrote the Ten Commandments. Came forth and wrote over against the candlestick, in other words, where they could see it, upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that that wrote. Then... Then the king's countenance was changed. I want you to understand something this morning. This is a good, this is a little bit of a scary message, and it's meant to be. This Bible, this story in the Bible here is not meant to smooth you up and, and, and make you feel all warm and fuzzy inside. This is to wake you up. You know what that, that's what this Word of God is all about. It's not a little warm, fuzzy little storybook to, to read somebody sleep every night. Man, this is this is something to this ain't something to read. Just read you to sleep, folks. This is something to read. You know, you need to read the Word of God in the morning, and you need to read it in the night. But I tell you what, you really need to be reading it in the morning because this is something to wake you up, not put you to sleep. <laughs> you read a few of them Psalms to put you to sleep. The rest of it is to wake you up. The Bible says it's given for instruction. It's given for correction. Exhortation, it's given, man, to wake you up and to help you to see. It's not given to make you feel all warm and fuzzy. Yes, we're to exhort one another, but it's it's there, man, to keep your feet in the path. It's playtime. This is not playtime. This is work time. Play. 
day time's coming later, praise God. When you leave this place, all your work will be over. It'll be over then. Then you can play. What did Mama used to tell me? Well, you better have them chores done. And I'll be, I'll be plowing that field with your head. You better have them chores done when I get home. And then you can play. No, there wasn't no play time first and then your chores. No, man, them chores better be done first. And ain't that the best way anyway? Isn't it good not to have to look over your shoulder and think about what you hadn't done yet and all you still got left? I mean, this thing going to have a fight here in a minute. In this little microphone here, should have used my other one this morning. Anyway, but uh, it's better to have that work done anyway. Then you can truly enjoy it. Praise God. I'm going to enjoy my eternity with Jesus. Amen. I'm going to enjoy that. Hallelujah. Woo, I'm going to have one of them uh, glorified bodies. Hallelujah. It really will be like that. Amen. Praise God. Me and this thing here fixing to have a battle, Lord. I'm going to win. <laughs> anyway, but, uh, but I want you to understand something. You see, sometimes the Lord gets rough with us. And I'm going to tell you, He knows how to handle me. And God knows something. You know what? It don't take, I don't think, near as much as it used to take to get my attention. <laughs> you know, <laughs> until you first taste that belt, you don't really get the full effects of it. I mean, when you hear about the belt, well, yeah, oh, it sounds pretty bad. But then when you get to knowing the belt firsthand... And y'all even start getting pretty close. Because <laughs> you see it a lot. You get to learn and more. And I'm going to tell you, the Bible says, To whom much is given shall the more be required. To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Now, buddy, let me tell you something. It ain't going to fare as well for you. Listen carefully to me today, church. I'm talking to everyone in this building. You ain't going to get away with stuff you see other people doing. Don't be measuring yourself by that world walking out there. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't you think you can pull the same garbage they're pulling and get away with it because you know better. <laughs> no, well, I'm a, you know, the, the thing about it is we measure ourselves by people that ain't doing no good out there, and it makes us feel better about the way we're living. Well, at least I'm doing this and doing that. Yeah, but you know what? They ain't never been given what you've been given. Honey, y'all was raised in the house of God to know God. I feel the Holy Ghost this morning. Hallelujah. We were raised to know Jesus. Hallelujah. And so God expects a whole lot more from you and me than he does just the average Joe out there. You ain't going to have the excuses they got. Well, I didn't know. Yes, you did know. Not only did you know, but I warned you every time you got near me. And you still did it. It ain't going to fare for us like that. You know, it didn't fare. How come it was so rough on Belshazzar? 
Reckon how come it was so hard on him. They said, listen, he said the same hour. There came, uh, and, the, and the Bible says, and then, then the king's countenance was changed. Let me tell you about a day that if you don't turn right now, if you don't turn your life toward Jesus and start giving him everything you got, let me tell you something, there's going to come a time, you're gonna, it's going to be, and then there, your countenance is going to change, but buddy, it's going to be too late. Belshazzar had already crossed over that threshold. Let me tell you something. When it comes time for the finger to write on the wall, honey, when you start hearing her, when you start feeling her, the writing on the wall coming, oh, let me tell you, it's already too late. You better not even think about hearing the writing on the wall. When you see the writing on the wall, it's too late. There was no turning around for Belshazzar. It was already done. The decision was made. The writing on the wall was a past tense situation. It was not a warning. The writing on the wall was not a warning, folks. I've heard people say before, oh, I can see the writing on the wall. Honey, if you see the writing on the wall, it's already too late. You ain't seeing the writing on the wall. Because the writing on the wall was a decree. It was a declaration. It was not a, uh, uh, it was not a warning to return or to turn. It was a, de- a declaration from the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that it's over. You're done. Lord God, help me to see the writing in the book. I don't want to see no writing on the wall. Help me to see the writing in the book, Jesus. I don't want to see no writing on the wall, God. Oh, man, let me tell you what it says. It says, And his thoughts troubled him so that the joints of his loins were loosed, and his knees smote one against another. But he knew. My, my, my. His mood was changed from from the feast and the party time. Oh, it was party time in Babylon, folks. Woo, the party was on, baby. Yeah, he probably told somebody he was going to a barbecue. Well, no barbecue. It was a party on the patio. But they wasn't. Jesus wasn't invited to the party. But. The gods of gold and wood and stone and all that was invited. And they sang praises to them. Who are you giving your praise to, folks? Let's go a little further. His mood went from fun and party time to, uh-oh, This was going to be Belshazzar's last night on earth. I want to ask you a question this morning. What if this is your last day? I mean that. I want you to really think about that. Don't just... Don't just... Do like you would normally do. I want you to really stop and run, mull this over in your mind. See, because in your mind, it's not. But let me tell you, it might be. 
I want you to know that. It might be. I talked to my daughter about eight hours before she died. She died the same night. Well, two, three o'clock in the morning the next morning. But I talked to her around dark. Parker, there wasn't no thought in her mind about dying. 27 year old, you kidding me? But I had asked her that same question before too. But she didn't contemplate that. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm this, I'm that. No, you ain't. No, you ain't. The Bible says, this, this, this declaring what you're gonna do and what you ain't gonna do, he said, rather you better say, if God will it, I'll do so and so or thus and thus. Because it ain't up to you. And, and how many people do you know that have died of heart attacks or died of uh, car wrecks and things like that? Did they know it? I mean, well, sure they did. Sure they already made ever, made all their arrangements and they all knew exactly. All them people in the towers over there, well, surely they knew that there was going to be a 747 flying through the tower and killing everybody in the building and the one next door. Surely they knew that. That's why every one of them was in church the Sunday before, right? I want you to really stop and you think about this. If today is your last day, if it's your last day, and it could very well be, it may be, it might be your last day. Where would you spend it if you knew it was your last day? Where would you spend it? Let me tell you something. A lot of people would say, well, well, I'd want to go spend some time with my honey and this and that and the other and my darling and my kids. and my... No, uh-uh. No, because let me tell you something. I want to tell you something. It's good to have family around you and all that, but if you know you got the last day, buddy, if you knew this was your last day, let me tell you where you better spend it. You better spend it on your face before God. Because after this last day of your life, <laughs> your, your children and your brothers and sisters and mamas and daddies and, and your wife and all, that's gone. And you ain't never going to be, you ain't going to remember that. It's all over. That will all be changed in an instant. And, and you're going to be standing before the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Nobody's standing beside you. It's going to be you and your King. And you're going to have to answer to them for Him how that you lived your life on this earth in these bodies. And so let me tell you something. Uh, you know, it's wonderful for your family to have good memories of you, but you know what? When I cross over, I don't care what they think about me. Once I cross over, I don't care what this world thinks about me because it don't matter no more, and it will not matter to you on that instantaneously. That moment will change everything you've ever thought about everything that ever was. You will instantly change in a moment. I feel the Holy Ghost all over me. I'm preaching the truth straight down the pipe today. I'm telling you, man. It ain't going to matter what your wife thinks, what your husband thinks, what your mom and daddy and brother and sister and children and babies and grandchildren think. All that's going to matter to you 
is what Jesus thinks as you're standing before Him in judgment for where you're going to spend the rest of eternity. I want to tell you, hindsight is 2020, but hindsight's too late. Let's go over to Luke 12. Keep your place there. We're going to come back, but let's go to Luke 12. Luke chapter 12. Let's go to verse 15. And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. plentifully. Understand that word means it brought forth plenty completely. Every part of it brought forth plenty. It brought forth plenty fully. Fully plenty. Fully completely, completely plenty. All of it. It brought forth a bunch. Now, I want you to listen carefully to this word today because this is talking about those that, 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 that put anything ahead of God and say, well, you know, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. Let me tell you, let's look what this man was doing. And he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do? Now, this man that had the ground that brought forth plentifully, what shall I do because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build and build and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. Anytime you start getting I and my, me and mine all mixed up in what you're talking about, you're in trouble already. He said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods, and I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But listen to what the Lord said. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night... Thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Let me tell you something today. When the writing was on the wall, I'm sure Belshazzar's mind started turning over. He started to think back. Here, the Bible says that he said, Thou fool, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required. Who does that sound like? Who does it sound like when, when he said here, he said, he said in, in verse 19, he said, And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease. Who does that sound like? That sounds just like Nebuchadnezzar to me. Remember the story of old Nebi? <laughs> Who was Nebuchadnezzar? Nebuchadnezzar was Belshazzar's daddy. Let's go back over there and just take a look and see what will happen to old Nebi over there. 
God. Over in chapter 4, over in chapter 4, Daniel, whose name, strangely enough, was Belteshazzar, (laughs) he came and told Nebuchadnezzar what was going to happen to him. I also want you to notice something here, too. How many of you know that the Lord gives his angels charge over you? And they're, they're, they're called the watchers. They watch over you. Let me show you an example of that. Verse 13, 413, 413 says this in Daniel. I saw in the vision, and this is, uh, this is Nebuchadnezzar talking. I saw in the visions of my head upon my bed, and behold, a watcher and an holy one came down from heaven. Okay, that's an angel. Then he went up there to verse 17, and he said, This matter is by the decree of the watchers. That's the angels. And the demand by the word of the holy ones, to the intent that the living may know that the Most High ruleth in kingdoms of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will and setteth up over it the basest of men. I want you to understand something. You need to quit seeking a better life for yourself and start seeking God because He is the giver. He is the one that puts over everything those who He wants over it. And there can no man change that. Praise God. The Bible says that He is the giver of men. Listen to this right here. It declares it. Hallelujah. The Bible says that by the Holy One, it says, to the intent that the living may know. This is that all may know that are alive. That the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever He will and setteth up over it the basest of men. I'm a living example of that. God has placed me over over many things in my life, and I am the basest of men. I didn't graduate high school, much less have a college education, but I tell you what I do have, the Holy Ghost, and I've got some understanding in the Word of God, praise God, hallelujah. My doctorate came from the Holy Ghost, praise God. Hallelujah. Now, he wanted to know what this dream was. It was bad news for Nebuchadnezzar. But there was one good thing about this thing that I see, and I can't understand it, but boy, I tell you, it was good that God left his stump, praise God, in Nebuchadnezzar's life. Listen to verse 14. said, He cried aloud and said thus, Hew down the tree. This was the vision that he saw. Hew down the tree and cut off his branches, shake off his leaves, and scatter his fruit. Let the beasts get away from under it. Man, here's where Nebuchadnezzar had been built up. He became a big, mighty tree. A man with branches that went everywhere. And there was much fruit on the tree. And it gave much shade. Man, and all the animals of the kingdom could gather under the shade of it. This was a description of how mighty that Nebuchadnezzar had become in his kingdom. But here was the Lord telling him, buddy, it's coming to an end because Nebuchadnezzar would not uh, serve God. And so here's what happened. He said, uh, he said, he cried aloud and said, Thus hew down the tree and cut off his branches, shake off his leaves and scatter his fruit. Let the beast get away from under it and the fowls from his branches. Nevertheless, praise God. Here's the nevertheless. Leave the stump 
of his root of his roots in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass. Praise God. God said, you leave a root. You leave some roots there because I'm going to rebuild him later and put protection on it of irons and brass. You protect that stump. Protect them roots. Hew him down. I'm going to punish him, but I'm going to raise him back up later. So he said, leave a root. Now he said in here, even a band of iron and brass in its t- in the tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beasts in the grass of the earth. Let his heart be changed from man's, and let a beast's heart be given unto him, and let seven times pass over him. What is that? Seven years, that's right. A time is a year. Seven times pass over him. That's seven years. This matter is by the decree of the watchers and the demand by the word of the holy ones. This is the angels. To the intent that the living may know that the Most High rules. This is the reason it came. So that Nebuchadnezzar and everybody that's living may know that the living may know that The Most High God ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whoever he wills and setteth up over it the basest of men. He said in 18, This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now thou, Belteshazzar, declare the interpretation thereof. Now he went down to verse 22 and he said, It is thou, O king, that art grown and become strong, for thy greatness is grown and reacheth unto heaven and thy dominion to the end of the earth. So on, so forth, so on, so forth. And he go down and it says, verse 26, And whereas they commanded to leave the stump of the tree roots, thy kingdom shall be sure unto thee, after that thou shalt have known that the heavens do rule. Praise God. Now listen to this. He said, listen to verse 27. Listen carefully. Wherefore, O king, let my counsel, this is Daniel, be acceptable unto thee, and break off thy sins by righteousness, and thine iniquities by showing mercy to the poor, if it may be a lengthening of thy tranquility. Oh, let me tell you about an opportunity that his daddy had that he did not have. Nebuchadnezzar could have turned right there because it did not happen until one year later when this took place. I'm going to show you in the Word of God. But he had an opportunity. Daniel said, Oh, oh, king, listen to me. Let this word get a hold of you. I'm going to tell you right now, I have preached to people, you better stop. And they did not listen. And they're in hell today. And I know that they're in hell because the Bible declares... The Bible declares those that are going to hell and heaven. I don't have to tiptoe around it. I am not the righteous judge, but the Bible says if you would judge yourselves, you would not be judged. And the Bible clearly tells you the things that they were doing when they left this world. God gave me an ultimate. God gave me a word to tell them, and I spoke it to them, and they did not follow that word. And God, part of that was to, hey, buddy, if you don't turn, you'll be in hell this time next week. I know people that are there today because they did not heed God's warning. Let me tell you something, church. God will do everything He can to warn you. But there comes a place. There comes that point of no return. Nebuchadnezzar was warned by Daniel. 
He said, man, listen to me, O king, and turn. Turn right now. Turn right now. He said, O king, let my counsel be acceptable unto thee. He's counseling him. And break off thy sins by righteousness and thine iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. If it may be a lengthening of thy tranquility. He said, man, listen, you know, it may lengthen your tranquil days. And let me tell you something, man, following Jesus is going to bring tranquility and keep it in your life. He said, man, Daniel knew the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He knew the God of his fathers. He knew what was coming because he understood. The Bible said Daniel had understanding. Daniel had understanding. Over in chapter 1, verse 17, says, And as for these four children, this is Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He said, As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom. And this is, And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Daniel understood what Nebuchadnezzar had seen, he had a clear understanding of it. And so he tried his best to warn Nebuchadnezzar. But listen to what happened. That was 27. Wherefore, O king, hear my counsel. Let my counsel be acceptable. Verse 28. All this came upon the king Nebuchadnezzar at the end of 12 months. Listen to how, listen to what was the final straw for Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, at the end of twelve months, he walked into the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. The king spake, this is Nebuchadnezzar, and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom? In other words, he looked at his big palace and said, Is this not the house I built for the kingdom? This is my palace, man. Is this not great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? Here's that me, my, I, I, my, my. And buddy, listen to what it says right now. Listen carefully to me this morning, church. Get this in your understanding this morning. It said, while the word was in the king's mouth, There fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken. The kingdom is departed from Kambalahaya, is departed from thee. Let me tell you, there was no return at that point, buddy. It was not it's going to be. He'd already had that word, but the word came as he began to boast himself of all that he had and he had done for himself. He was given an opportunity. But the Bible says, while the word was yet in his mouth, I want you to know God is long-suffering to us because he does not want anybody to perish. But there comes a time when he that will come, will come and will not tarry. And buddy, it's over then. It's over then. There is no negotiation. There is no, there is nothing you can do. Nothing. It's done. It's over. It's finished. But Nebuchadnezzar lost his kingdom and the dream, the vision came to pass. 
And he said, And they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make thee to eat grass as oxen. The same hour, verse 33, was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from men and did eat grass as oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven. In other words, he slept outside till his hairs were grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. And at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, this is his telling of the story, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven and mine understanding returned unto me. And I blessed the Most High and I praised and I honored him that liveth forever whose dominion is an everlasting dominion. And his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? Understand this. Understand this. Belshazzar knew all of this. Why? Why do we preach? Why do I jump up and down and preach? Why do I push so hard? Because, man, who's to say that everybody that I preach to is going to get the same chances I got? Nebuchadnezzar had a chance. He had a chance to show Belshazzar his son. Look, buddy, I learned the hard way. Eating like an ox in the field with a man with my hairs growed out and my claws like, a, like the claws of an eagle. And I'm trying to tell you, son, He is the God of everything. He is God. And none can change His decisions. But once it's done, it's done. He was warned of it. No doubt His son knew firsthand of what had happened to His daddy. And even in all of that, He went further even than His father did. And He took the vessels out of the temple that, uh, that His daddy had taken... And he called for him, and he began to drink and make merry in them. He began to lift himself up with pride, and he even went further to begin to use those very vessels out of the temple of God Almighty to worship and praise other gods. Huh. Buddy, I'm telling you, he's God of all creation. Nebuchadnezzar had been humbled by God until... He turned to him. The warning was in verse 37. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven and, and all whose works are truth and his ways judgment. And those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. Church, there's a message that I preach it, I've got a sermon in there, it's called, Can You Hear Me Now? I want to tell you, if God's trying to get your attention, you better listen. You better do it now. Because every time He has to call you again, it's going to get louder. Until finally... 
He will body slam you in such a way that you can do nothing but say, God, here am I. The reason that parents are so hard on their children, or used to be when there was discipline in this nation, which is long gone, the reason was because they, they knew easier ways for you to live your life and to have better things than they did because of trial and error. They did not want their children, or we do not want our children to have to learn everything the hard way, but we want them to learn from our experiences so that they can get further than we did in a shorter period of time with, without near the problems that we had to face to get where we're at. That's the reason for the Word of God. It's not for your undoing. It's for your building. It's not to be hard upon you. It's so that you make it to where it's easy. Belshazzar had invested his life in things that pass away. He had all kind of time for pleasure and business, but no time for God. The Bible says in Mark 8, 36, Brother uh, Chris, give me Hebrews 10, 31, 31. As a matter of fact, everybody turn to Hebrews 10, 31. Let's go look at that. I want to show you something here. Hebrews 10, 31. But the Bible tells us over in Mark 8, 36, What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world? Lose his soul. Ten thirty one says this it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Understand what it's saying right there. Remember when we was talking about sending them out two by two, he said if two walk and one fall, he has another one there to pick him up. But woe unto him that falleth when he is alone. And let me tell you, it says it's a fearful thing to fall and find yourself in the hand of God. You know what that means. It's not talking about, oh, well, God can pick you back up. No, it's not what it's saying right there. What it's saying is, is it's a fearful thing to find yourself in a fallen state when you meet God. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands. In other words, getting drunk and getting killed in a car wreck and falling into the hands of the living God. It's a fearful thing. Buddy, you're not going to want to meet Him, I guarantee you. If you're not ready to meet Him, you're going to be falling into the hands of a living God, and it's going to be the most fearful thing you'll ever face in all of eternity. Let's go further in that Scripture right there. But call to remembrance the former days in which after ye were illuminated, ye endured a great fight of afflictions. Understand this, church, you're going to have afflictions when we go through this Christian walk. Partly whilst you were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly whilst you became companions of them that were so used. Said, hey, you were made a gazing stock. I don't know how many times in my walk with Jesus 
I've had people from these big fancy churches that ain't got no more Holy Ghost in that box right there, but they think they do because they have big choir and singing and all that, and they got that big that hair stand up on the back of their neck when they're singing and all that. But they ain't got no Holy Ghost in them churches. A lot of them don't. And but them same ones that look at me and say, "Well, well, I see you got five, ten people at the most in your church. Well, you know, well, yeah, all oh, well. If you was a god, you'd have a crowd of people. No, man, this church lines up exactly with the Word of God. Because the Bible says in the last days men will not endure sound doctrine, but out of the lust of their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. I'm not preaching what they want to hear, therefore they're not going to come here. They'll pay you to tell them what they want to hear. <laughs> but the Bible says, straight is the gate, narrow is the way that leads to life, and what? And what? few there be that find it. Amen. Praise God. I'm looking at a church that's heading for heaven. Amen. Praise God. I'm going to instruct you here and He'll reward you there. Praise God. He's the reward giver. Praise God. He just put me down here as, as, to read the instruction manual. Praise God. That's all I'm doing. I'm just trying to read the instruction manual. Praise God. Help us to make it to that place where He can give the rewards. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, it says, Partly whilst you were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions. They see me afflicted, they see me in reproach and things like that, say, well, look at him, oh, word. oh yeah. I know there's no question about it, man. I've heard firsthand about people talking about how, how they, well, he needs a Bible study. You know, people that don't more know the truth in the Word of God than that speaker right there going to tell me, tell people to go to my church that I need a Bible study. I got more standing that Bible in my left little pinky finger than they got in their whole life. And that ain't bragging. What I got, I got from Jesus. Praise God. I'm humbled by that because He's He's God, and I'm just thankful to even be a part of it. Praise God. To even to even be the toenail. Praise God. I'm just proud to be here. Praise God. Hallelujah. But yet people will look at us and, and, and we become a gazing stock. That's what it's saying here. And he said, for ye had compassion of me. He said, but we were partly, whilst we became companions of them that were so used. In other words, we became companions of the people just like us. And he said, For ye had compassion of me in my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. Listen carefully. Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now that, yeah, praise God. Now the just shall live by faith. If any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them that draw back unto perdition. Perdition is waste or damnable or destruction. But of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Amen. Now, praise God. There are some people that just will never accept that they could die in their sin. I have heard several people in my life 
just declare. There are people that actually think that they're so important that they can declare they're not going to hell. My response is, what? Let me tell you, man. You are still in a fight. You ain't somebody to declare in any way that you ain't going to go to hell because it ain't up to you. If the righteous scarcely be saved, it's by His grace that you're saved. Listen, you ain't saved until you get there. That's when you're saved. And so for a person to just declare, I am not going to hell. Well, honey, it ain't up to you. The Lord said, Fear not man who can but kill the body. Rather, fear God who can not only kill the body, but put the soul in hell. He can put you in hell, and you're seeing. I mean, there's you ain't got no promise of heaven unless you line up with every word of God. Then it's His grace is sufficient. But it ain't going to cover your blatant sin, and it sure ain't going to cover no attitude. He says, well, I'm just telling you right now, I'm not going to hell. Well, then you better get busy. I've been told that by a lot of folks that just absolutely declare that, buddy, I'm going to heaven. Let me declare to you, let me give you a declaration from the pastor of this church. I'm going to try my best to make it to heaven, praise God. And I, I'm going to push for with everything I got to make it home. Praise God. Praise the Lord. And if I'm lacking, praise God, Lord, let your grace be sufficient, God. Lord, let your grace be sufficient. And God, if I'm lacking and there can be more than I'm doing for the church, God, reveal it to me, Lord, and help me to get in that path. Help me to get more busy, God. I'm going to do what I can, and then I'm going to depend upon you to do what I cannot do. But I'm not going to sit here and do nothing and expect God to do it all and expect it all to be done. That's a wicked and slothful servant. I'm not going to be that. Amen. And I hope, I have a hope. Paul said, if you got something, why do you yet hope for it? If you got it, why are you hoping for it? I'm hoping because I ain't got it yet. I'm hoping for it. You know what? Moses got to the promised land but did not go in. All he went through in the wilderness, he went through the wilderness, through the wilderness, through the wilderness, through the wilderness. Twice. This is a man had so much Holy Ghost, man, that the Lord came down and met with him face to face and took enough of the Holy Ghost off of him to fill 70 men and still left him plenty to take care of everything he had to do. That's a lot of Holy Ghost, folks. <laughs> and he still was not allowed to go into the, into, the, uh, into the promised land. We know he made it to heaven, but he was not allowed to go to the promised land. Let me tell you something, church. This notion that everything is just, that can't we all just get along? People have pushed true worship and praise and truth, the truth of the Word of God. They've pushed it plumb out of the building. Then but one thing going to keep you out of hell, and it's this right here. And it's taking it serious that's going to do it. 
if preaching the paint off the walls is what it takes to keep me in line and keep me on the path and get me to heaven, praise God, preach it off the walls, I'll repaint it every week. I don't want somebody telling me a smooth word, buddy. I want somebody telling me what it's going to take me to get there. I want the truth. I want the truth. I've had lots of preachers preach things to me, buddy, that just got all over my feet. But how could I argue with it? The truth's the truth, and you know it's the truth. You know, I just had to grin and bear it, man, you know, and do what I could to straighten out what God was trying to tell me. Amen? That's the difference between... That's the difference between somebody that really wants to serve God and somebody that don't. You can get up and run and say, well, I haven't never in my life heard no nonsense like that. I'm not going to listen to all that. I could stay home and get this kind of abuse. <laughs> but you know what? There's another way of looking at that. The Bible says, he whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. Praise God. He said, what father chasteneth not his son? He said, train up a child in the way he shall go. Let me tell you something. We're all children. We just think we're old. 82 years old, man, you ain't even a blip on the radar screen. You ain't even dry behind the ears yet. Talk to Methuselah. <laughs> you still you still crawling around ain't even walking yet. <laughs> Amen. We just think we're old. We just think we're getting older every day. We're children to the Lord. And he says, he pitieth us. He's not forgotten our frame that we're dust. He pitieth us as a father pitieth his children. But praise God for those that look upon the truth in the word of God. The, this is the rod of correction right here. And praise God for those that look on it and know that, hey, God, thank you, Jesus. When the Lord's giving you a spanking, it's because he loves you. And he don't want you in hell. He knows what hell's about. He designed it. And he don't want you going there. He didn't design it for us. It was designed for the devil and his angels. But there are many, many millions that are going there all the time, thousands every day. But it wasn't designed for us. He wants to spend eternity with you, man. <laughs> Maybe there's lakes up there with 10,000-pound bass. <laughs> they say, man, that ain't no fish. <laughs> you know, you see that knife on Crocodile Dungeon. Oh, no, that's not a knife, mate. You know, he pulls out this machete, a sword about that long. Look like a big old knife. Maybe he say, Lord, saying, no, that ain't no bad, son. <laughs> Come here, Flipper. <laughs> Come here, Leviathan. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Amen. Praise God. I'm, hey, I'm planning on doing some fishing, man. I don't know about You know. Lord said, hey, he's going to give us some desires up there. I, buddy, I'm gonna, I think I am. Maybe I'll never want to fish again. Whatever. I just want to get there. <laughs> you know, all of a sudden, let's go, let's go back over to Daniel. Belshazzar was, he knew better. All of a sudden, no one could interpret the dream or, or what was going on with the vision. Here come Daniel. He said, verse 17, 517, Daniel answered and said before the king, Let thy gifts be to thyself, give thy rewards to another. Yet I will read the writing unto the king and make known unto him the interpretation. 
O thou king, the most high God, gave Nebuchadnezzar thy father a kingdom, and majesty, and glory, and honor. And for the majesty that he gave him, all people, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. Whom he, would, he, whom he would, he slew, and whom he would, he kept alive. This was Nebuchadnezzar, his dad. Whom he would, he set up, and whom he would, he put down. But when his heart was lifted up and his mind hardened in pride, he deposed from his kingly throne, and they took him took his glory from him. And he was driven from the sons of men, and his heart was made like a beast, and his dwelling was with the wild asses. They fed him with grass like oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till he knew that the Most High God ruled in the kingdom of men, and that he appointed over it whosoever he will. Listen to 22. And thou his son, O Belshazzar, hast not humbled thine heart, though thou knewest all this. See this? See, he knew better. To whom much is given, much is required. And the Bible says to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not. I want you to understand something here today, church. Buddy, God expects a lot from you. Because he's given a lot to you. Listen to what it says in verse 23. But hast lifted, well, 22. And thou, son, O Belshazzar, hast not humbled thine heart, though thou knewest all this, but hast lifted up thyself against the Lord of heaven. And they have brought the vessels of his house. Before thee and thou and thy lords, thy wives, thy concubines, binds have drunk wine in them, and thou hast praised the gods of silver and gold and of brass and iron and wood and stone, which see not, nor hear, nor know, and the God in whose hand thy breath is, and whose are all thy ways, hast thou not glorified. Now let me help you uh, understand also that when Daniel was called, when Daniel was called, Daniel called Nebuchadnezzar, I mean not Nebuchadnezzar, but called uh, 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 Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego also and said, pray, help me pray. Help me pray. He went in because uh, uh, Belshazzar was going to kill everybody in the kingdom. But Daniel said, help me to pray. Now, let's go further. Belshazzar needed somebody to interpret, and Nebuchadnezzar was going to kill him, right? But has lifted up thyself against the Lord of heaven, and they brought the vessels. Okay, we go on down. Verse 24, then was the part of the hand sent from him, and this writing was written. Listen carefully. And this is the writing that was written. Many, many tekel upharzen. This is the interpretation of the thing. Many, God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Tekel, thou art weighed in the balances and art found wanting. Oh, my God. Oh. 
Oh, Lord. Buddy, you're going to be weighed in the balances. No doubt. God is going to weigh you in the balances. God, help me not be found wanting God. Lord, whatever it takes, God, don't let me be found wanting God. (laughs) That just means so much to me, man. I'm telling you, church, there's nothing in this life worth being caught in those balances and found wanting. He says, Perez, thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Buddy, it wasn't going to be divided. It was done. It was already done. It was a done deal. When that writing came upon the wall, it was finished. It was done. His kingdom was already divided. All that was left was for the interpretation of what had already been decreed by the hand of Almighty God. When the hand of God comes down, I want to tell you it's final. It is final, buddy. And I tell you, man, it would do us all good today, man, to to really evaluate ourselves and our walk with God. The patience of God had been exhausted. Belshazzar's kingdom was done. And it would end that night. Sin finally caught up with him. He'd finally gone the last mile. I want to tell you, when God writes it down, buddy, it's settled. Until he writes it, There's still a chance. But when it becomes written, it's over. It's settled. The Lord said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. It is the written word of God. Huh. I want you to turn to Romans 1. Moses wrote about the wrath of God in Deuteronomy 9, 19, 20. Let's look at that. Deuteronomy chapter 9, 19 and 20 says this, For I was afraid of the anger and hot displeasure wherewith the Lord was wroth against you to destroy you. But the Lord hearkened unto me at that time also. And the Lord was very angry with Aaron to have destroyed him. And I prayed for Aaron also at the same time. And I took your sin, the calf which he had made, and burned it in fire and stamped it. And ground it very small, even as it was as small as dust. And I cast the dust there into the brook that descended out of the mountain. As I said, sometimes there's time to still turn, church. Sometimes we still have time to turn. Who's got Romans 1? Let me turn there quickly. Romans chapter 1, here it is in verse 18, says this. 
For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. See, God's revealed the Godhead to me and to you, so that they are without excuse. If there was ever a people on this planet that are without excuse, it is the people of the United States of America, the most blessed nation that ever has been. We are without excuse in this country. Paul wrote this about the wrath of God. John wrote about the wrath of God in Revelations. Look at Ezekiel also. Ezekiel 18.31. says, Cast away from, from you all your transgressions, whereby ye have transgressed, and make you a new heart and a new spirit. For why will ye die, O house of Israel? See this? This is the Lord asking His people, Why? Why will you die? Why are you doing all these things? Cast this stuff away from you. Why will you die? He said, For I have no pleasure in the death of him that dieth, saith the Lord God. Wherefore, turn yourselves and live. Look at 33. Ezekiel 33 and 11. It's a little past that. 33 and 11 says this. Say unto them, As I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will ye die, O house of Israel? See, there is a time. There is a time of turning that God will allow His people time to turn. The Bible says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such a... 